0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at morbidlybeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror pop culture needs, from reviews to interviews, top ten lists, and everything in between. It's a one-stop shop for all things horror. They also have a great library of podcasts, and that's going to bring me to the point of today's episode. Last week I teased that I was going to be doing a series of interviews, or at least one big interview, for International Podcast Day, which is about 10 days from now, maybe a little bit more. Well, I have an early treat for you then. If you're looking forward to that podcast featuring many of the podcasters on our network, well, I have for you today Matthew Curry Holmes. And that is a name you should be familiar with if you are a diehard horror fan. And I hope you are. MCH, as he goes by, is an accomplished actor, director, and writer. And more recently, a podcaster. He's been in films such as Firewall with Harrison Ford and The Fog with Maggie Grace. He also had a role in Wrong Turn 2, which featured Henry Rollins. His directorial debut came in a supernatural thriller called The Curse of Buckout Road, which starred screen legend Danny Glover. Now besides all that, like I said, he is a podcaster. And for the purpose of this episode, that is the most important thing to focus on here. Despite all his accomplishments in the film industry, he decided to start his own podcast called the Couch Trip Cinema Podcast, where he sits down with people from his past to talk about what it's like to make a film. His insight, stories, and anecdotes are all super fascinating. And while I wanted to have this interview as part of the bigger picture one coming up in a few weeks, it was just too good to cut down at all. Now, he claims he rambles on too much, something I can relate to, but it's different for him because he has a lot of interesting things to say, unlike yours truly. So this is Matthew Curry Holmes of the Couch Trip Cinema podcast. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Oh so I'm here with Matthew Curry-Holmes, or MCH, as we were just talking about this awesome nickname he got uh, like 20 <laughs> years ago. Not to age you or anything. Uh, you if have been, old, it's okay. <laughs> we, we've been uh, talking a little bit before this and you were telling me a little bit about yourself. And I can't wait to get a little bit deeper into that, about how you've moved all over North America. I don't know if it's gone beyond that, but we'll get into that, I guess. Um, and how you've just been kind of living your life the best you can. So...
1: <laughs> is there any other way to live a life? I mean, honestly, like the best... You, like, I just want to do the best I can. Like, do the, It's not even I'm go. living my best life. I'm just surviving at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, given today's day and age. Right. You know, surviving I've, is all we can hope
1: for. Uh, I have made a proclamation that 2020... Is a mulligan, and whatever <laughs> age that you turned in 2020, it doesn't count. So, congratulations. 2020, 20, 2021 is you, the official restart of the aging. So, fair you, enough. You, you get a wash. So, yeah. uh, so I get to do I'm, 32 I'm still, all over again. I'm <laughs> that much further from 50. Oh, 32. Fuck you.
0: <laughs> oh, actually, it's funny because uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but other than the age, I, I started taking boxing classes and I'm oh, the nice. second oldest person there.
1: And and you're only 32. Like you haven't yeah. even hit your Jesus year. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, yeah.
0: Jesus you, has still outlived me. Yes. Like
1: Jesus <laughs> is still older than you. I mean, god, I am I am staring at the barrel of 50. Like I have I've I've cleared the 40s hump. I remember when I turned 40, I was like this is monumental. And now I'm like, oh fuck, 50. Like I okay, I'm, he's closer to, I'm closer to 50 than I am 40. That sucks.
0: Yeah. 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 But well, has that midlife crisis hit yet? Are you oh, driving like a Ferrari or something? I can't afford a Ferrari. Come on, you <laughs> can afford a Ferrari. Uh, it doesn't yeah, if you can or not.
1: The the midlife crisis is yeah, it's true. <laughs> the I think it's just existential at this point. I think okay. everybody's going through a crisis, and uh, if you want to call it midlife, you know, great. But I yeah yeah, I've I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: They come a little bit earlier nowadays. Sometimes. I know. Well, but, you know.
1: it's 2020, man. It was like, yeah. you always ask people, how you doing? And my response is generally, well, we're all swimming in a river of shit. And yes. today my head is six inches above the water. <laughs> and then, nothing in the mouth today. Or it, Nothing in the mouth today. But you know, tomorrow, or, you know, two days ago it was four inches above the water. But, you know, so... <laughs>
0: Bobbin, yeah. ebb and flow through the river of crab,
1: <laughs> the most <yeah>. depressing <laughs> interview ever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's
0: it for today thank you for stopping now um goodbye. goodbye well you are here for a reason and that is to talk about your podcast and oh, that is thanks. for international podcast day uh, so your podcast couch trip cinema uh which I said about a hundred times prior and didn't get it right because I kept tripping up <laughs> on the couch trip part because that's a tongue twister in of itself. Couch trip. If you don't, if you say it fast enough, it comes couch out tra- like crouch trap. Sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. And I'm like, hey, I think that I think that's actually a better title. Crouch, crouch, tra- crouch <laughs> trap cinema. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you can
0: go a number of different ways there. Yeah, totally. Oh, you can make goodness. that about anything, really. Goodness. Um, And you are all about interviewing uh, filmmakers. Yeah. And given that you are currently in Burbank, well, not currently, currently, but you live, your primary residence is down in good old sunny California, which isn't so sunny right now, I guess. it's pretty smoky now, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is a shame. But uh, yeah, so tell me about that experience. What got you wanting to start this podcast? What was the inspiration, so on and so forth?
1: Uh, Well... (sighs) It all started when, no, um, (laughs) when I was, uh, okay. So, I mean, at the risk of being reductive, uh, I've always been obsessed with films, period, full (laughs) stop. I worked at a video store, uh, for most of my adult life. Uh, I managed a a mom-and-pa video store. Mm-hmm. It was actually my, my, uh, it's how I paid to go on tour with my band was okay. working at the video store. very, very cool. So living, breathing, loving movies from birth. I mean, I could go into the whole Freudian thing of, uh, you <laughs> know, being ignored my whole childhood and star Wars saved me when I saw it 147 <laughs> times on super channel. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, again, at the risk of, uh, of, of sounding reductive, uh, film is tattooed into my DNA. Um, I was uh, as I was growing up and becoming an adult uh, I got into the film industry I uh, I started in again when I was actually I was on tour with my band and I started writing about films uh, for magazines and for um, uh, Can West. Mm-hmm. which at the time, is, and I, I should, should say that even though I live in California, I am Canadian, and this <laughs> was when I lived in Calgary. Okay. I wrote for magazines like Fast Forward Magazine and uh, The Georgia Strait and just all, you know, uh, I think it, it, whatever the Western equivalent to the Toronto rag was, uh, I would write for that in the West. And uh, I would do film reviews uh, because I love movies and I worked at a video store. Uh, well, that parlayed into uh, actually working in film. I uh, was a PA um, in for movies like Shanghai Noon, oh yeah. Jackie Chan. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was a responsible that classic. Milk. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and Owen Wilson. Oh, also uh, yeah. Stories about. It. I have I have great stories that if uh, it wasn't protected by an NDA, I would get no I'm kidding. He, he was <laughs> he was lovely. Um, uh, he did ask me. He's like, "Where do the girls hang out?" <laughs> like, he, uh, this is a good 50 impression. Fifty percent of the population a girl, dude. I mean, yeah. like, you gotta yeah. be more specific. Go. Uh, it's because I it's because I had had flaming dyed red hair and I was like shit I had a Mohawk it was he, he felt like oh this is my people <laughs> so it was cool we became kind of you know chummy uh, while I literally shoveled shit on that, uh, on oh, yeah, that set horses, I, was yeah. a, I was a PA yeah mm-hmm. uh, and then that parlayed into uh, me wanting to uh, act my band had broken up so I decided uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start acting because there's nothing you know, more masochistic than quitting an independent rock band <laughs> to become an unemployed actor. I mean, it's like right. how fucking masochistic <laughs> do you have to be? Yeah. To you know, like I, life's not hard enough. It's it's it, I, I just I need to make it harder. So, hey man, um, chicks dig scars. <laughs> scars, <Right? laughs> psychic scars, man. Yeah. Wounded on the inside. Yeah. Uh, so, I was l- lucky enough to book a huge gig for me which was um you know i was in a movie called um the showtime film called sightings heartline ghost it was my first lead role i was uh, acting beside Bo bridges and nia long and oh, shit. Uh, okay. the, the late great uh, dear friend of mine <coughs> who passed recently miguel ferrer and um i just i was like these are my people And when I booked that job in Calgary, Alberta, I knew that Lightning wasn't going to strike twice. I know this is a long, roundabout way to answer the question, but it it does tie in. Um, I I decided to, uh, uh, Lightning wasn't going to strike twice. I was in in Canada, so what am I going to do? I'm either going to go to Toronto or I'm going to go to Vancouver. We decided to go to Vancouver. And uh, I landed in Vancouver on September 10th, 2001.
0: I knew you were going to say and that,
1: and I was, I was in Vancouver, and okay. the reason I was there was because I was doing voiceover. I was doing some ADR, right? Mm-hmm. The additional dialogue recording for uh, for the movie I had done, uh, Sightings: Heartline Ghost, with the <laughs> aforementioned amazing cast, and uh, I had done my, I had done my, you know, my looping for that, and uh, the next day was nine eleven, and I was grounded in Vancouver, yeah. And my wife said. Uh, I said, well, I, I can't get home. Like, do you want me to rent a car? Do you want me to drive back? Is everything okay? I don't, you know, I don't yeah, know if you remember what gone. that was, but that was insane, you know. Like, yeah, that's,
0: that's one of those things where you never forget where you were when you never forget when it happened. Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, and she's like, well, you might as well just stay there and figure it out. And uh, I ended up booking two jobs, like two really good jobs. And I sort of called her up and I said, I think we're moving to Vancouver because. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, wait, I just booked these great gigs. So we, you know, sold our house in Calgary, moved to Vancouver, started amassing um, a career, Mm -hmm. which was great a great acting career. I I was fortunate enough to be a working actor in film and television uh, for the five or six years that I was in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I got to be in some really great movies, got to meet some amazing people like Joe Lynch, the director of Wrong Turn Two, who cast me in Wrong Turn Two. Not that I'm name-dropping, but this all leads <laughs> to the podcast. Oh, I, I understand. <laughs> so, sure. Stay with me, guys, because it all comes to a point.
0: I do have a question. Oh,
1: sure. So sure.
0: feel free to like just jump back into it yeah. before or after. But I have an uncle who's a working actor. And oh, I wonder, nice. he's Canadian, obviously, so yeah. I wonder if you guys have worked together. His name's uh, Philip Williams. He's a portly fella. Kind portly of looks like fella. Super Mario.
1: What? Uh, where? Where is he?
0: Where? where uh, he's based where out of Toronto, it? but I'm pretty sure he's done like around the country sort of stuff he was in actually let's Jason uh, X. let's let's talk
1: oh my my buddy todd wrote that movie
0: oh did he there you go so he was <laughs> yeah. um a crutch he got his head smashed in into a uh like an electrical panel
1: oh yeah 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 oh okay so let's talk off air because i'm gonna look him up and see because i think okay. we might have crossed paths or it's at possible. least we've done the same the same thing yeah um so I worked I worked as a an actor lucky enough to uh to make a living and uh decided to go down to uh Los Angeles uh as actors do. Mm-hmm. Went down to LA. Uh I'm not even going to get into the whole purpose of that story, but along the way <sighs> I've I w- well it's only because you know I I quit acting to become a writer and a director. Is right. the the short version of that. Okay. But as Sort of along the way, while I was acting, while I was doing this, the one constant thing that I had in common with literally everybody I worked with in the film industry was an absolute, undying, unwavering love of cinema. And not just, you know, hey, did you see this movie? Wasn't it good? And here are the seven reasons why it moved me emotionally, but really the deep cuts, like what it takes to make a movie, Mm -hmm. like how the sausage is made, the gears that, that have you know, that are involved in, in, in making this a reality. There's so many moving parts, and all that stuff fascinated me uh, from being a PA, you know, which is not, not to hier- make it a hierarchy, but it is the lowest rung. You know, it's you're, you're the person that basically is the first person on set and the last person to leave. And yeah, it's a foot in the door up. position. Yeah and, yeah, and it's a great. And, and listen, my, my advice to anyone who wants to get into the film is industry is be a pa on film because mm-hmm. you will get the b you don't have to go to film school just just pick up learn on the job go get jackie chan his milk <laughs> <laughs> when he wants milk go get him milk yeah, because that sure you'll you learn more getting of. him milk yeah <laughs> <laughs> no you know what it's not it's not even <laughs> a matter of uh meeting mulch. people it's <laughs> yeah it's it's not a matter of knowing people and like schmoozing it's more (laughs) a matter of what is the one thing that unites most of these people and as an actor and as a writer and now as a director and even as a PA working on film literally everybody that I worked with from the grips to the uh, focus puller to you know the boom operator everybody loves not only making movies but movies Right. And I, I thought you were going to say milk for a second. <laughs> and milk. <laughs> and I am, f- that that utter fascination of how The Sausages was made is what carried me mm-hmm. to want to make, to want to do a podcast. So over the years, I've been fortunate enough to uh, become friends with, you know, some really cool filmmakers. And we always get to talking about, you know, hey, well, what's it like? Like there's um, uh, there's kind of a secret handshake. Between people who make movies, you know, you c- you can kind of um, cut through a layer of bullshit and just kind of get into it and talk, you know, just talk shop. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever made a movie, you know what I'm talking about. Like you can just kind of get into that. It's like, oh, what's the what's the trt of this, and uh, how are you doing this and that, and and that is the one thing that I th- that I always thought, wouldn't it be cool if like everybody knew about this? And and maybe it's just <laughs> some sort of solipsistic bullshit that I'm just kind of like, I love movies, so maybe you will too. <laughs> but what I find fascinating is, you know, over the years I've amassed, you know, um, relationships with, with some really cool people who make really cool art. And I love nothing more than whenever a friend of mine makes a movie to just sit back and be like, dude, tell me everything like to mm-hmm. go through it. And, <laughs> and if you've ever made a film, it, I'll tell you this, it, like, the community of indie filmmakers, uh, the the once the two weeks after wrap, like once you've sort of decompressed, mm-hmm. the first thing that everybody loves to do is to sit down, grab a beer, glass of wine, and just shoot the shit about the, just tell war stories about the production <laughs> to other filmmakers. <laughs> it serves as sort of a litmus test, and it serves <laughs> as like a, it's, you know, it becomes a uh, like a, a big cathartic a release sort of thing. It's a like cathartic release, yeah, and it's but it's also like a um, uh, what do you what do you call it like a tale like a, uh, precautionary tale. Oh right, right <laughs> you know, yeah. I did this. Don't things. do that thing. Don't yeah. do this. <laughs> do do not ever look your actor in the eye when in the middle of a take. You know what I mean? Like just all these like <laughs> yeah. these crazy things. And I would love it. Like I remember I was sitting down talking to Chelsea. Um, stardust who directed um, um, satanic panic and all that we Destroy*, mm, mm-hmm. and we were having this conversation and again she was at the house we're all like because we're all friends we're just chilling out she's got a glass of wine we're just talking and that's when the idea hit me I was like "Fuck, man I want to I want to do a podcast just talking to people who make movies and and dig deep like w- w- I mean, you know, there is sort of a shroud of secrecy of stuff that we don't talk about. You know, at the end right. of the day, English we're always
0: reveals tricks or sort
1: of thing. It, well, it's no, it's not that. It's that we will reveal the tricks, and we're just not going to complain publicly about shit. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. You know? yeah, I guess like, no, you don't want to
0: be like. Yeah. yeah, I worked with this guy. He was an asshole. Never yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. You know, everyone's the greatest human being in the world, and, right? And right, and, right. and to make a movie is an actual miracle. But <laughs> you know that aside, and and also look, it, it, being a filmmaker and talking to other filmmakers, it's not. I'm, I'm not talking about commiserating and just being like, oh, woe is me. This is the hardest thing ever. It's just mm-hmm. hearing the war stories, knowing that everyone that I'm talking to and. Every story ends with like, "Fuck, I'm so glad I did it, and I can't wait to do it again." Right, right. You know, and and there's not a lot of like movies are the one thing that you know, movies and music. It's the the things that we all sort of have in common, right? We all, mm-hmm. everyone likes a movie, yep, because there's so many different types of movies, and everybody <laughs> likes music because there's every different type of music, and and so it's the one thing you know, pretty much unites all of us, but to really understand like what it takes to make them or to be involved in that process. Personally, I find it fascinating and that's why I wanted to do the podcast was because I wanted to kind of dig a little deeper. I, guess I say on the podcast where the, we dig a little deeper and see how the sausage just right. made, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I, I find the people that I talk to who, you know, right now, luckily the majority have been my friends and I've, I've been so grateful for their time. But uh what what I find interesting is they they all say the same thing after we're done having our conversation, which is like, oh, it's so much better than just like doing the round table of <laughs> so what made you inspired to make a movie? Why did you <laughs> choose a redheaded woman instead of a blonde? You know, it's like right, they're just like, oh, this is so good. We can talk about the we can, you know, we can talk about uh, the aspect ratio and you know why I chose this lens and these zeiss right. primes versus a blah blah blah. So mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. Th- all of that is to say that is why uh, I'm doing it because I love to hear myself talk and uh, I love to talk <laughs> to uh, other filmmakers. And, and plus you, 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 I learn a ton every time I talk to somebody. So Absolutely. I'm hoping that if I can, you know, if, if, if I can inspire someone out there who wants to make a movie or who want, you know, who is interested in the deeper cuts and they want to hear these stories that you're not going to hear with interviews, you know, regular interviews, then, you know, great. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, very much shows that you have a, a passion for it. like while you're telling the stories about why you moved and how you started and before you even started talking about the podcast itself i i had a little smile on my face because i could tell how happy you are <laughs> about it and it comes across yeah. which is genuine uh, You don't get a lot man. of that uh especially i just blindness. want to rush to the bio you
1: know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's often the most interesting part you know what brought you to do something? Well, I mean, for you, for me, no, I'm just like I went to school for radio. Now I have a podcast. But you have all this life experience, <laughs> yeah, but, right? And it's, well, but
1: it, well, okay. To that, if you went to ra- you went to school for radio, and now you have a podcast. I mean, the fact that you went to school for radio, I mean that that is a chapter in a book. Like it's not that you just went to school. It's like it's like it's not that oh I just moved to you know Vancouver to become an actor. It's like that's a chapter. You you learn the craft, but not only did you learn the craft, but it interested you enough that you're taking it to the next level and that's what i find i'm a research pig Mm -hmm. like i fucking like i'm a (laughs) my i guess my day job is a screenwriter so i love researching yeah getting into the 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 details just oh and it you know and a bores that hears it most people you know (laughs) When I'm explaining something, I'm like, no, 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 no this isn't going to be in the movie. But isn't this fascinating that these right. 17 points happened prior to this character <laughs> showing up? And I was like, no one cares, dude. I'm like, I care. And I and bet the actor cares
0: when they're, if they're a serious, uh, not even method, but sometimes, you, at least stereotypically, you hear, well, what's my character's motivation? Now you have, have that. Well, this is what he went well, through before anyone- he got here.
1: If anyone ever says to me on set, what is my motivation? I'm going to slap them. I'll be like, fuck <laughs> you. Do the work. You know what you mo- I, I actually teach an acting class too. So okay. it's like, yeah, I, I like to never say what is your motivation. If you don't know what your motivation is when you step on set, then you have no purpose being here because. Okay. It's interesting. Y- your motivation is your paycheck. Period. Full stop. Right. I know that. I, I, and here's a whole other thing. Like we could get on this whole other thing, <laughs> but. It's not what is your motivation. It's what was I doing before, mm-hmm. and how did I think about it moving forward? Right. Like, what was your moment before? I always say, like, don't don't say what your motivation was. I just ask my actor. I'm like, like when I'm directing an actor, I'll look at them and say, okay, wh- wh- before the scene took place, what were you doing before that? I was doing the dishes. Okay, what happened when you were doing the dishes? Oh, I broke a dish. Great action. <laughs> <laughs> and <they're> like, <laughs> hey, keep it okay. simple. And then yeah. the, 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 we, just keep it super simple because it, it just puts you in a it just puts you in a headspace, but. Right I mean, oh my god i I'm going way off topic here. that's fine, so for There's all the actors out all there, there. yeah <laughs> <laughs> we could talk all about uh uh my uh, my method of acting as well, so it's a long and boring story. <laughs> I doubt it's boring, it might be long, but I doubt it's boring. <laughs> it's definitely no, i mean, I've spoken to you for fifteen minutes now. I can guarantee you your story's long. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh fair enough <laughs> you actually mentioned something at the very beginning um, when you said that uh, you you worked in a video store and that kind of mm-hmm. like uh, you loved movies so that kind of kickstarted it and that made me think there's a whole generation of kids who don't get to experience that now
1: oh my god there's no I movie know. stores there's, no.
0: there's very few even like record or music shops around unless they're like mom and pop style and even then they mostly just sell like paraphernalia and memorabilia
1: and yeah or 180, 180 gram vinyls yeah yeah um so. it, it, the, it, having having worked in a video store i mean it's so funny i'm super fucking nostalgic just generally speaking Mm -hmm. like my whole life is just filled with nostalgia i mean i grew up in the (laughs) 80s so it's like right arguably the greatest decade ever um (laughs) arguably arguably well listen you you might have an argument if you grew up in the 90s or Mm in the 70s but if you're in if you're in the aughts moving Mm -hmm. forward like you're fucked. like there's no there's no (laughs) culture there's no yeah, culture not like a there, whole lot it's like a digital culture think about a band from the year 2000 <laughs> on that is legendary that didn't come out prior that didn't to have TV. any releases before like and I don't mean popular but I just mean legendary I think I can think hmm. of maybe Taylor Swift like, she will go yeah. down. She was the close. Beyonce she came out in the 90s. Yeah. You know, like, uh, the. I mean, I'm a huge Cure fan, and you 2 and all that rock stuff, but right. it, the point I'm making is, is like it's just a disposable, um, culturally disposable, but uh, right. information heavy, you know? Yes. So the, the cool thing about working in a video, like, the cool thing about being in a video store, and this is what I'm trying to sort of teach my daughter, too, is, like, you want to take time to... Um, get to there you like having all this information come at you at once instantly instantaneous well it's really good and it sort of gets you from point A to point B faster Mm -hmm. there's something really interesting about being methodical so we've you know, when going to a video store like you used to go to the video store. You didn't know what you were going to get. You had to talk mm-hmm. to the guy at the front counter or mm-hmm. the girl at the front counter, and she's like, "Oh my God, Heather's best movie ever! You got to see it." What is mm-hmm. that movie? Or oh, The Ruling Class with Peter O'Toole, nineteen seventy-three. Got to see this movie, or you, you know, and you're sitting here going like, "I've never heard of these films." Well, I mean, right. we've all heard of Heather's, but. Yeah. It, but at the time, it, maybe it, not, it, yeah. and there's that thing, and you're—I mean, I remember, you know, VHS holding up two boxes, going, "Well, which which one do I feel like? Do yeah, like read the back cover. Armageddon, yeah. or <laughs> you know, do I feel like you know, Basket Case? It's yeah, and that process, like the fact that it took an hour to go from your house to mm-hmm. go to the video store to find a movie, usually shoot the shit with your favorite clerk as she tells you all the cool things." that you know the new movies that are coming in etc cetera, etc cetera. and they were gurus like we oh, were yeah. gurus like yeah, we, yeah. people would come to me and be like and Cheryl like my boss Cheryl too but people would come to her and be like okay what is that and she'd rat off oh, that was film school that was like yeah oh my my video store girl recommended this movie like so it's got to be good it, and now there's the court of public opinion which is great and, mm-hmm. and honestly, being a video store clerk doesn't necessarily mean you, <laughs> you know, right. on a tour, but <coughs> th- there is kind of a fun little shorthand when you're, wor- you know, renting a movie from someone who just basically spends the entire day reading box arts and <laughs> watching films. <laughs> but what the best part about it is that it connected us as people because, again, we could talk about movies and as, you know, for me, when I was managing the store, I would see people and they would have different tastes. So I'd know that the ruling class would be really good for, you know, Karen. She really likes satire and, mm-hmm. you know, Peter O'Toole. So that would be a good one. But then I'd kind of look over and go, oh, you might be really interested in the Miami connection. <laughs> or, you know, uh, my buddy Jim, oh, have you seen the new Trauma film? Like, y- you got to understand who these people were through the tastes of their movies. Yeah. And then there was something kind of cool about that, Intimacy with strangers.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Like, shoe sales people don't necessarily have a different kind of intimacy, especially if you're Tarantino. But (laughs) um, there's, there's something about, like, having a conversation with somebody about something that they really dig and finding common ground. Oh, yeah. And that's what I loved about working at the video store. Mm-hmm. I love. I just l- and, and it's carried over, and we don't have that. And it's the same with with you know music. I I say to my daughter like I I tell her you know look it, the reason like I collect vinyl, mm-hmm. but I don't collect. I, I'm I I make it ex- experiential. I don't uh, I don't just buy vinyl to have a record and a record player. I I sort of I want to do this thing where I want to collect my favorite bands. Because most of my favorite bands are from like the '80s and the '70s, I want to collect my favorite bands, but I want to find the first edition version of that vinyl Jeez, because I want to okay. know what it sounded like for the first person to put it on. Right. You know when they when they first played it. Like, what does what does "Pornography" by the Cure sound like to somebody in nineteen you know nineteen eighty it was eighty three, like what or eighty two? What does that sound like? And the only rules are. Uh, I can't buy them online I have to go and find them at record stores so I want to create experience and I'm trying to tell my daughter that you know it's like look I get it you're on Spotify (coughs) we're all on Spotify Mm -hmm. but there's something really cool about sitting down putting on a record and just reading the liner notes and spending that time like knowing that everything takes an hour to do before you get to experience something and I think that's we've lost that connection yeah. In this culture.
0: All about the instant gratification. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I, I was listening to uh, another podcast. This was years ago. I don't remember the name of the podcast now, but uh, the person was talking about music and how he's in his forties now and he's sitting there going, you know, I, I put on a, an album or a record CD, whatever it is, just a piece of music and actually listen mm-hmm. to it. Nobody does that. They put it on. Yeah. They do something else. they'll, you know, sure. plan the computer, they'll do housework, they'll do something, but they're not yeah. just sitting in the middle of their bed with their legs crossed, just listening to the song.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and it's an
0: attention it, span thing.
1: Yeah, it is. And then, and, 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 you know, to be fair, you know, I don't want to be, be that, you know, Gen Xer who's raising his <laughs> fist to the clouds going, you kids. But, you know, like, look, I mean, I would put a tape in the cassette and do other things too, right? You know, I mean, it's not like I was always, you know, when I have a record on, and I would still say, do yeah. shit. Yeah, but yeah, but there is something like I, but but I tell you what, I wouldn't do the first time I bought an album. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember, I bought U two War, in like I was it was eighty five, I was like eleven years old. I spent ten bucks. I bought U two War, came mm-hmm. home, put it on, and the first play the first time you're hearing it for the first mm-hmm. time you mm-hmm. do sit down cross-legged and read yeah. the fucking liner notes yeah. because it's like this is part of the experience you don't do it every time you know no. you got to do the dishes now right sunday bloody sunday's playing you're doing the dishes but yeah, yeah. the first play is reserved for that moment and that's what i think i th- uh, that i miss that like i miss mm. that connectivity with right. other souls who have something in common and that's the thing like that's why i d- like that's why i do the podcast and I talk mm-hmm. to the people that I do I'm not interested in just interviewing people it's a conversation I talk as much as I listen like we're mm-hmm. engaged we mm-hmm. have a thing mm-hmm. and we banter back and forth and it's the connectivity like I used to like I, I right now I miss going to concerts like I love going to see live shows and right. I I always I, t- I spend a moment no matter where I am in the stands, or on the, if it's a big, huge stadium show, or if it's just a little club thing, I, I more than once, but definitely once, I will turn around, depending on my proximity, and I'll just look at everybody mm-hmm. in the room while the get band's the playing. And I get, I do, I get chills because mm-hmm. I, because no matter how shitty fucking life is, and it's shitty, mm-hmm. I know that I have something in common with everybody in this room, everybody in the stadium. You know I mean I remember I saw Radiohead and there was twenty thousand people, and I looked around going, "I have something in common with twenty thousand people and that gave me that gave me comfort mm. you know that camaraderie mm-hmm. and that's that's what I think's missing uh <laughs> oh, here's the gen Xer that's what I think's missing <laughs> and uh and that's the, the thing that I want to get but that's but that's the thing that I want to get grounded and get back to. Is is a commonality, and that's why you know when I do the podcast, we kind of we dig as deep as we do because it's like I want to I want to hear about these things. I want to have something in common with you. you oh know, yeah, the, the connectivity, you yeah. know. And making a movie is a it, it's a fucking miracle that any movie gets made. <laughs> and if you can sit down with two people who have done it. Mm-hmm. and have a conversation about it in a positive way, like in a way that totally promotes the person that you're talking to's movie and, you know, right. promotes their, their well-being, but also, uh, you know, connects you as artists. I mean, there's just, to me, there's just nothing better than that.
0: I agree completely. And those are the best ones to listen to, in my opinion, as well, where there is that back and forth, where it's just not like, like you said, so what made you do this? And then somebody rambles on for an hour and a half, the having you know your experience be like yeah I know exactly what you mean, it it like you said it helps connect both you and the interviewee but also the listener because they can go yeah you know what I did do a movie and that is exactly the same thing that happened, wow yeah. I'm not the only one I, exactly yeah. yeah
1: good good and that's what I want or or that if people are inspired to make a movie you know mm-hmm. like that they could listen and maybe glean. Because he, he, this is what I've learned. This is what I've learned in life is that everybody wants to tell their story and everybody wants to teach you something. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't matter who you are. It, like, if you find a mentor or if you, you find, like, it's so easy to find a teacher. But the best teachers are people who teach from the experiences that they've had. Oh, yeah. And and that's and and that's what I find inspiring. So like I'm hoping that, you know and I don't have a ton of you know, there's not a ton of listeners, and I'll be honest, I'm not the be best at promoting. I'm I'm not very good at that side of things. Thank God Morbidly Beautiful is <laughs> is out there doing a great job because I am so fucking terrible at that part of it. I have I can but, relate. Uh, but there's, but you know, I have had people come up to me, or, or not really come up to me, but have have reached out and said, "Hey, listen, I was really inspired by this conversation that you had with, you know, with Chelsea or with Bria Grant." I've been mm-hmm. getting a lot of really positive feedback on the Bria Grant thing. I mean, she's blown up, so uh, how lucky <laughs> am I um, right. to have that conversation? But with Bria, you know, like the two of us worked together on a short film, so I was able to just kind of go, "Hey, you want to be on my podcast and shoot the shit?" And she's like, "Absolutely." <laughs> so. It was, it's always, but, but that's the thing is you got to come from that position of connectivity, right? Like, right. you know, you come from like, Hey, I, I, I just want to talk. I just want to hear about your experiences. So just tell me all the things.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, well, I mean, what else? When you run a podcast like you do, like that's the best thing to do is make sure, like you said, there's that kind con- I was going to say connectivity, which isn't proper, but you know. Words are hard. Uh, so, do you have any favorite moments from any of your podcasts? Anything that really jumps out to you where you go, "Yeah, that's." If there were awards for this, which there are, but you know, if there were like the <laughs> Academy Awards for best moment in a podcast,
1: oh my goodness, uh, I, I will say no, absolutely not. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, the I have a I have okay. So, uh, in full disclosure, I um, pre. Pre-COVID, I was uh, uh, I was slated to shoot a movie up in mm-hmm. uh, up in Canada. Um, so I think in February and in early March, I front-loaded a bunch of conversations. Mm-hmm. I talked to Bria, I talked to uh, I talked to Chelsea, and uh, and I talked to David Hayter, who oh yeah, um, yeah So <laughs> we we went on for like two hours and david and i are, are are good friends and uh he has told me sort of privately a bunch of stuff that i ended up getting him to say on the podcast <laughs> and so so yes if there's moments it's it, they haven't been released yet because um uh i fr- i sort of you know front loaded all these and i thought oh while i'm shooting a movie i'll just re- release a podcast every you know you know, every two weeks or every three weeks, and it should carry me over from the movie. Well, of course, COVID hit, and then the shit hit the fan, and I had to sort of rethink everything. But I still have this great two and a half hour conversation with David Hayter, and we go so deep into so many different things. And I'm uh, when I do sort of unleash it, I have um, uh, I'm uh, releasing uh, Kenneth uh, Kenneth Castillo uh, for Latin Heritage uh, Month. Mm-hmm. uh next Tuesdays him and then in October where I have Brett Pierce, the co-director of The Wretched. But after that, I think for November, uh, I'm gonna unleash the David Hayter interview <laughs> where he talks about everything from like working with Brian Singer mm-hmm. to the the problems of Brian Singer <laughs> to um, <laughs> doing like voiceover work of Solid Snake for Metal Gear Solid, like what mm-hmm. it was like to to get credit on um, X-Men X2 and sort of the, the shit that he had to go through. And it's just, it's just, you know, if you have any affinity for what Mm -hmm. really goes on behind the scenes for, you know, an A-list screenwriter, Mm -hmm. um, it will make you smile and cry simultaneously to know (laughs) that we're all in the same boat. (laughs) Like we all have the same sort of troubles. Uh, so I'm excited to sort of release that conversation out into the wild. Um, and that's those are those are moments that I want uh, that I want to do more of. I want to really kind of dig a little, dig as deep as I did with him because he's he was just a he was well, a great guy anyway. But he was just like an open book, and he just I said, mm, you sure you're okay with me saying?" He's like, "Yep, go ahead." I'm like, "Fuck, great." <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so with all your interviews uh, and all the, the connections and the people you've talked to throughout your your time not even just podcasting but in your time in the the film industry do you find it and this is more directed at the podcast uh, side of things mm-hmm. easier if you already have a connection with them or if you're going in somewhat blind like you know who they are obviously but you don't have like a friendship necessarily with them what do you find I... more i guess engaging
1: well, here, I, I've only, <coughs> so far, I, I'm only in my first sort of cycle or first season or however mm-hmm. you want to do it. <clears throat> so I've only talked to people that I know. I haven't okay. actually engaged with people that I don't know. I don't have a booking agent. I'm just, I'm basically going into my iPhone going, oh, yeah, they've got a movie <laughs> coming out. I should give them a call. Right. Um, so, so I can't, you know, I, I, uh, but here's the thing. Like, if if we meet for five minutes, I, you know. We're best friends. I mean, that's just kind right. of how I roll. I don't, <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. I, 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 I don't, I like, I'm not really starstruck. I'm not really, like, I don't look at people. There's people that I admire. And, and dude, I admire, like, just uh, every one of the people that I've had conversations with, I mm-hmm. deeply admire and consider them, you know, my, my mentors, uh, as well as my peers. But, um, you know, like, if I was to talk to sort of James Wan, for example, mm-hmm. who, um, you know, actually, I should probably reach out to him, James. <laughs> if you're listening, let's—you should do this, man, because it's a lot of fun. No, James is a cool guy. Um, I, I, I would, I would treat him just the same. Like it becomes right. an instant sort of uh, because w- we all d- we do the same thing. Like this is what we do, and it doesn't matter if you're making a fifty thousand dollar film or if you're making a three hundred thousand, three hundred million dollar movie or two hundred million dollar movie, right? We, you know, we all kind of go through it, and it's in that experience that uh, that bonds us. So there is a shorthand. So, the long answer, just to say that I don't know that there would be a difference. Okay. You know? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, Scorsese, if you're listening, maybe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that kind of brings me to my next um, cliche yeah. question. Uh, okay. It's you you one that's got to be asked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you could have one guest
1: um, Jimi Hendrix. On. Uh, circa nineteen sixty four. Okay, let's um, narrow it
0: down to he has to be alive or she has to
1: oh, be alive. Oh, she has to be alive. Um, Somebody oh, that, you you know put,
0: that you could get. You
1: yeah, know, I'll like, tell you I'll tell you who I would calls. love to fucking talk to. Yeah. Uh she's kind of my hero. Okay. Actually there's two. Two people that I would love to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh Lynn Ramsey. Okay. Who uh directed uh, We Are Never Really Here. That movie that movie destroyed me in a way that movies like just don't and it fucked me up and i thought this is like this is a master class in filmmaking and so yeah her i would love to talk to lynn ramsey just about like just all get really into the nitty-gritty because um if you haven't seen uh we were never really here it is it is it is a masterpiece it is <laughs> it is a master class in editing cinematography uh, film direction, uh, pacing—I mm. mean, it comes in at like 87 minutes. I mean, it is just oh god! It's it's it to me it's a it's a perfect film. Uh, so her and uh, Catherine Bigelow, because Near oh. Dark is my favorite horror film of all time. Interesting. And that was her first film. Ostensibly, I think she did uh, well. She did Loveless. I'm, I shouldn't say that was her first film. That's, that's a lie. It was <laughs> one of her first films. It was in the top right two. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> it was her second film. And uh <laughs> and when you're that sort of cuz I've made two feature films and I'm <laughs> about to shoot my third. And the the hope is to get better and to do better movies and that's generally the case with most filmmakers. Um but to kind of knock it out of the park as well as she did in 1987 with with arguably one of the best vampire movies ever made right like I would love to just spend an hour talking about that film with her
0: Mm mm-hmm and she probably would those are my two gets she'd probably enjoy I mean I don't follow like uh, press junkets and stuff like that all that often Uh, but you'd imagine established directors somebody who's had a, a 25 year career or longer I probably wouldn't mind going back and talking about some of their early works in a oh, candid sort love of that.
1: Uh, atmosphere, you know? And, and as a screenwriter, I'd love to get her and Eric Red to sit out. Like, I, the, the, the three of us would just talk near dark for, uh, <laughs> you know, an hour. It, it, just because there's, oh, God. It's just, it, first of all, it, it being my favorite horror film, but forget about that. It is it is a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a, it is a Western, it is, yeah, like it's, a, it's gritty, horror, yeah. it's, oh man, and, and the the character relationships uh, between Caleb and May, um, just in one brief scene, like you basically, like, and, and it's, again, it's a master class in screenwriting because, I. and once again, 87 minutes long, what is with these movies that are 87 <laughs> minutes? I'm, I'm making a proclamation. <laughs> From here on in, all your movies have to be 87 minutes. 87 I just minutes, saw yeah. uh, Shadow, Shadow in the Cloud, the, kay. um. Uh, roseanne liang uh movie uh with uh chloe uh chloe grace moretz that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, it's a world war two it was part of toronto international Film festival okay. um uh it was the, the world war two she's in the uh she's in the the, the belly turret of uh of a bomber mm-hmm. in world war two in uh, auckland new zealand and basically she's sitting in this um she's sitting in this belly turret listening to misogynistic assholes who are in you know the crew of the fighter plane mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly a gremlin shows up on the wing. <laughs> so it's basically uh, it's a nightmare at 20,000 feet you know with a with a high concept feminist agenda right um, <laughs> okay and and, and, and it's a, it's batshit crazy and it's a ton of fun but that movie was seventy fucking five minutes long and there was like 83 wow. with credits and I was like this is how you do it guys yeah no more two and a half hour Judd Apatow, <laughs> long-winded, just
0: like, long-winded comedy jokes. Yeah.
1: Man, brevity is the soul of wit, and yeah. and 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 is. I mean, maybe I have ADD, but I'll tell you, Near Dark, eighty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <coughs> you were never really here. Um, 80, 83 minutes. Right. Shadow in the cloud, seventy-three minutes. Like that's yeah. it. You could do a triple feature and still. Um, have plenty of time for the rest of your evening to do whatever you want. Yeah. No.
0: You, you know what? That's it's interesting you do bring that up because uh, after I believe it was like Endgame, Avengers Endgame came out. Uh, the Russo brothers who directed that said the two hour movie is finished. We're not going to see two hour blockbusters anymore. They're all going to be three hours plus. Right. Yeah. Um, because, and I guess I mean again, like the only movies I've ever shot were like in the woods with my wife as a fake horror thing. Um, <laughs> You know, so I, like I don't have the experience or the know-how. You still,
1: but you still went to battle, man. You still finished it.
0: <laughs> I did. This is true. Um, uh, but I, I'd imagine that has something to do with uh, the technological advancements. Uh, before, I imagine film was a lot more expensive than a memory card or whatever they're using on like the cameras that they're using now, and it was a lot easier to edit, I'd imagine as well, <laughs> without having to cut and splice and put together the film. You drag and drop the scenes where you want them. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. Is that am I on the right track or am I just like there's just so much money well, they don't know I'm, what to do with it, so they make it as long as
1: possible. You know, you know you know, it's interesting about that film versus digital thing, and it, and it and it it's still a, an interesting debate. Like Christopher Nolan makes all his movies on film. Mm-hmm. Um and his DP, Wally Fizzer, just they, they only shoot on film. And, you know, the argument was you know, oh, we don't, we can't shoot on film because it's too expensive. Well, film that is not expensive anymore. Like film is dirt cheap. Like you can right, get film. nobody uses it. No one uses it, and like Kodak is dying to put movies out on film and stuff. And my the dad process... lost his job at Kodak because nobody
0: bought film anymore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this oh. is like trigger warning. yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And then he had a heart attack, and geez, Oh my like, god. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Twenty twenty. You fucking <laughs> suck. Oh, this was like this might've 2002. So there's still oh, like God. the two twos in there. Jesus, so. <laughs> 2002,
1: you suck. Um, no, but, but uh, when you, I think, I think when you're making film, I think when you're shooting on film, cause I, I've never made a, a film shooting film, but I've acted mm-hmm. in movies where I was, it was film. Right. And the one, the one thing that you have is the fact that your Meg is only 15 minutes long. So like you, you, even if you wanted to shoot, you know, uh, an entire walk-and- talk scene or whatever, you it like you, you only have 15 minutes of, 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 of uh, film in the pipe. So you have to know what you want, know what you're shooting. Mm-hmm. know where you're going, know how long it's going to take. And there's kind of a there's a really great intensity to that. Like there's an intensity to that kind of filmmaking where preparation is a much bigger deal than if it were in digital. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much a it, it it's just a matter of where do you uh assign value to making movies? And um mm. I think with people who shoot on film, they definitely assign I and, and and I'm I'm not talking about Christopher Nolan. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. I mean. <laughs> yeah. well, like I don't I don't I assume that he Preps, but I'm talking about like indie filmmakers making movies on film. Like, if you're gonna shoot on film, you are definitely spending most of your time on prep. Like, you are right. figuring this shit out before you come. And people who have come up from film into digital are probably um, I want to say they're faster, but I think they they there's they're, there's more of a sh- there's less to kind of figure out. There's le- there's less meandering. Mm-hmm. Um, having shot my two feet and four shorts obviously all on digital This there's a saying when you make movies like the uh, like when you're shooting a night shoot for example and the sun mm-hmm. comes up it's like look this, the sun is your clock like you can right. do whatever you want prior to the sunrise but as soon as the sun rises you're, the day is dead yeah so when you're shooting on digital you, you kind of forget that the sun is on the horizon <laughs> like, oh, maybe I'll do this all maybe it doesn't cost yeah. anything oh, maybe I'll do this and then suddenly it's like oh fuck we're we have to finish, we have to finish this, uh, this, this day. Like, we have to, our day, our day, our day. And you sort of rush towards the end. Whereas mm-hmm. when you shoot on film, you're, you're kind of going, okay, I got 15 minutes of time per mag. How can I make the most of it count? And, you know, so there is, you know, prep versus um, on-the-day shooting. Yeah,
0: it, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because uh, I used to work at a video store too. Uh, Rogers, I don't know if you... He- <sighs> I'm sure you know Rogers Video and Rogers Telecommunications. I do. So of I course. worked at. I do
1: all the video stores.
0: <laughs> right. So I worked just as they cut it off. Like I lost, I didn't lose my job there because of that, but I quit because of that. I was I'm like, I'm not going to telecommunications. Go. No. No thanks. I'm not getting yelled at all day. Um, so I worked at when they had the video section there. And a buddy of mine was in film school at Humper College. I'm sure you know Humper College as well.
1: I do. Um, yes.
0: So he was in film school there and i was always like his guinea pig he was cuz i would do anything whatever he'd be like i need you to do can you do this for me on film am like dude whatever i don't give a shit <laughs> i'll run around with like yeah. my shirt over my head would. and my pants tied around my legs like whatever
1: who cares do you um, know and most people are like that too like there's something so magical about film you can literally ask anyone to do anything and most of them will do but it. <laughs> but uh, exactly exactly well i'll i'll tell you a story about uh, gavin gavin michael booth in a second but yeah go go, go on well he, he had so to you, do
0: this well he had to do this one project on film it was that one of the yeah. uh, requirements of the curriculum that they had to learn how to use the film to do exactly what you said do prep mm-hmm. make sure the shot is right yeah make sure everything is right because they weren't allowed to edit it so whatever stopped oh wow the next scene had to pick up like right off the, the record trigger so there was that's no fantastic exercise. Uh, three, two, one action while it's already rolling. It's yeah. not rolling, not rolling. Action! You're rolling. You're going right into it, and, yeah, and it was you, just fascinating. Oh, that's great! Yet, being in that um, sort of thing because you couldn't fuck up. <laughs> like, there, like you yeah. couldn't go back and re-record well, it. It was well, whatever was there. That was the take.
1: That was the so take. That's beautiful. That was the take. That's, it was you fun. Know, it, that's a lesson that I learned uh, I, uh, talking to filmmakers is uh, uh, figure out a way into your, sh- into your scene, figure out a way out of your scene. Like, mm-hmm. And it's usually done with a camera move. You know, a yes. line of dialogue is not going to punctuate. Like television, you can always kind of count on a line of dialogue and they push in on the actor's face. And then right. if and they're there too long, the actor <laughs> might make a joke. But, uh, <laughs> you know, figure out how to get out of a scene, how to get into a scene. And yeah. if, you can, if, you can, if you can travel like that, knowing your ins and outs... Mm-hmm. Tips and tails, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna make each, each scene. It's it's definitely gonna make the transitions easier, but it's it, because they're already put into the shot. But it's gonna make each scene seem like um special. Uh, seem like it's it's got purpose. Yeah, it's yeah. got purpose. It's like here's a yeah. beginning and a middle and an end. Like there was a there's a saying. A friend of mine says that uh, like a screenplay is uh, a thousand haikus. <laughs> stitched together, and that's pretty pretty much it. Same with films; yeah. like it's just a, a thousand haikus stitched together. Yeah, well, that's you know? a good way to put it. Yeah,
0: uh, you had a story about uh, Gavin something something.
1: Oh, Gavin Michael Booth. Yes. So Gavin Michael Booth. Yeah, he's a he's a filmmaker, a Canadian filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually got a movie out now called Last Call, uh, which he shot uh, in. He shot two continuous takes um one on the man one on the woman while the man is calling the suicide hotline basically and and the films the film's done in two continuous takes it's one shot Mm -hmm. two takes no cuts it's beautiful um anyway he's a he's a great uh, he's, he's a good buddy of mine and a, <laughs> and a great friend, but he, here he is, you know, he's a, he's a filmmaker of note. He's he shoots a lot of videos. He shoots a lot of music videos. Um, I actually had a, a, a section on my podcast called, um, catching up with Gavin. Cause he's always, he's always doing something. He's always, <laughs> he's like traveling. He's like, oh, I'm going to Nova Scotia to shoot a band on tour and I'm going to make a movie around it. Like he's always doing something. Right. So when I was shooting, uh, the curse of Buckout road, um, um, I had to do some pickups in Burbank. We shot it in Sudbury, but I did some pickups in Burbank, and uh, I thought it would be really funny. And, th- and this is just to your point of like, anyone will do anything in a movie <laughs> that you ask, because it's like, "Oh, you're making a movie. But it's even more so with filmmakers. So I called up every independent not every independent, but the, the independent filmmakers, you know, kind of popped into my head. I, I called up a bunch of them and said, "Hey, listen, I'm shooting a bunch of suicide scenes." like where you know people are going to kill themselves mm-hmm. do you would you want to be a suicide victim and <laughs> every one of them was like yes 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 of course but they didn't realize is that i was actually just killing off the competition you know <laughs> uh, jessica cameron's dead Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> gavin michael booth puts a knife in his eye but when i called gavin so i had this idea to kill off all these indie filmmakers you know it was a little joke to me mm-hmm. um what gavin was like I said, hey, man, you, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a pickup day. Do you want to? And as soon as I said, do you want it? He's like, yeah, man, what do you need? I got a camera. I can be a grip. Uh, wh- I got some flags. I got some, some C-Stands. Uh, wh- you know, how, how can I help? You know, do you want to borrow my, uh, my, Canon, uh, my Canon 5D? I, we, we can do all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I, I want you to be in my movie and kill yourself. He's like, oh, I can totally kill me. Dude, I got a special <laughs> effects guy. Do you want me to kind of do the special <laughs> effects? And he's just like, <laughs> he would do anything. He, right. just, they would and everybody would do anything and and myself included like I will do anything um mm-hmm. because there's such magic in yeah. what we do that we just want to be a part of it
0: yeah I agree completely with that and it's and to boil it down to the simplest aspect it's fun oh my god yes it's fun. like Kevin Smith I think said it best he's like I just like make a movie with, with my friends and it's fun and that's what I like so that's what I do and he's made a career out of doing that.
1: Yeah, I just wish he was making better movies. Come on, Kevin. You've been doing that
0: <sighs> for 35 Give I
1: don't yours. know. We might
0: have to fight over that. I love Kevin Smith.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> no, listen, I like Kevin Smith too, but there's there's Kevin Smith who did Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, mm-hmm. uh, Dogma, and yes. then there's Kevin Smith who did Yoga Hosers. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't defend that. But I Yes, I, I know what you're saying, but I mean... He did try, and he put it out there, which you know was kind of a brave move, considering what he's known for.
1: I listen. I don't want to get into the veracity of things. <laughs> I, I'm a fan, and I've uh, I've actually seen him speak live, you yeah, know, more than once. So you know, look, uh, whatever his process is, all I'm saying is, after 20 years, come on, man, move your fucking camera. Just just, just <laughs> move it a little bit. Just just, just 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 get it off the sticks. Just move the camera. <laughs>
0: In his defense, he does make fun of himself for doing that,
1: oh God, just move the camera
0: man. just move Damn the it. camera
1: just, just once
0: yeah no you're you're not wrong. that's <laughs> no, funny that you bring that up, but though. listen God bless him, man yeah, I mean he I think he's maybe not anymore, but he was what every indie film guy wanted to be back in maybe the nineties, early 2000s you know well, he, there's
1: something to be said for the first person to do it. <laughs> you know right he he came. he got some notoriety because he he did it he just maxed out all his credit cards mm-hmm. What have I got to lose people think I'm funny? Let's okay. see if this works. I'm gonna get all my friends together and he's been able to make a career out of that And it's interesting because when we you know, it's never been easier to make a movie right Than it is you have right a camera now. in your pocket you have a camera in your pocket. Like you have editing friends. software in yeah, your pocket. God, you can do this. I could I, I just edited a movie right now. I yeah. just I just made a movie right now. Yeah, I, exactly. You know, yeah. And but at the same time, you know, how are you going to at the same time it's it's never been it's never been easier to make a movie, but it's never been more prescient to make something that matters. And when yes. I say something that matters, I'm not I'm uh, I'm not talking about subjectively like what matters to me might not matter to you. I, I right. mean, something of, you know, deep discerning quality to the filmmaker. You know, it's, it's like back in the 90s, I don't I don't know that Clerks is necessarily a movie that speaks to, you know, the deepest um, section of Kevin Smith's soul. It was mm-hmm. just, th- th- he's like, I want to make a movie. I want to do these movies. I want to make a movie. I want to tell funny jokes. I want to do this, this, this. I mean, Chasing mm-hmm. Amy might or dogma right but you know so when we're making movies now it's like it's so it's so interesting because it's like yeah anyone can do it but you know should you what, right what are you what are you trying to say like what is it that you want to say i i, I want to encourage it i want to lift up your voice mm-hmm. but it's pretty fucking hard to get a movie out to s- scene yeah you know like yeah. in the 90s there was only you know 10, 10 players now it's like dude you can you can upload your own movie on amazon YouTube prime or amazon yeah YouTube, anywhere you know it's yeah. like yeah so yeah. how how do you kind of break through well you have to break through by doing something so painstakingly personal that uh that people don't have a choice but to pay attention to it is is what i think
0: yeah i mean that's part of it but i mean the on the flip side of that is you could pour your heart and soul and blood and tears into something and then have nobody see it despite putting no, of it out course. there. Right? I mean, that's... Dude, my,
1: my first film, no one has ever seen. It hasn't even been picked <laughs> up for distribution and it's the most personal story I've ever written in my life.
0: That, that's the thing. So in like 10 years when you're, you know, when you've made it, quote unquote made it and or you've hit <clears throat> that milestone, then everybody's going to want that film. <laughs> uh,
1: I I hope so. It's, it's it's a pretty good movie. I mean, I, like I'll be honest, I didn't get the cut. They The producers took the cut from me. They oh, really? cut their own movie. Yeah, and I talk <sighs> about this. I mean I'm I'm not I'm not you know, look I'm not gonna call them out right here, but you can fucking IMDb and you'll see it. Um, yeah, they took the cut for me, they re edited the movie that they wanted, it's not my cut. I like about I mean, I'll be honest, I like about forty five percent of it. I think forty five right. percent of it is 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 really good and is what I wanted to st- day and like I said the script is I poured my heart and soul into it and we made this mm-hmm. movie and it, listen it's a miracle any of these get made so the fact that it didn't right. get picked up for distribution I mean I have literally nothing to do with that I, I don't own the rights to the film Right. I just oh, I wrote okay. it and I directed it I, I own nothing <laughs> it, the producers own it and it's up to them to do you know whatever, whatever they want, they want. It, yeah, my thinking is like, dude, if you can't fucking put a movie out during COVID, come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's got some good people in it, too. I mean, Rick Springfield's in it, for God's sake. So, well, you know, well, Jesse's Fair sure cool. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it, but the point is, is not, oh, woe is me, my movie didn't come out. Itself. Right. It's like, yeah, it's a miracle that any of these get made and it, and you never know what's going to hit, and you're right. You know, you could put your heart, heart and soul something, and no one sees it, case in point. Yeah. No. um but that's not why we do it, though. No, know? exactly. Like, we we do it because, like, honestly, if I could do anything else, I would. I can't. I just, I love this too much. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, I hear you. I mean, I've written two books that have sold eight copies in the last 15 years. So, I mean, nobody reads it. But, I mean, would I change, would I go back in time? Like, I'm not going to write this because I know somebody in the future, nobody in the future is going to read it. I'd still do it.
1: That's not why you do it. Yeah, exactly. of course. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got a story you want to tell. Yeah. I'll read yeah, your book. Okay. You can send me a book. I'll send you a link to my movie that no one's seen, and you can you can send me your book. <laughs> we can <you> compare notes. Oh <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> uh, well, MCH.
1: I think we're gonna call it there. Uh, we've been going on for Holy like an shit, hour. Like, and you 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 are gonna edit the shit out of this. There's, in no I'm world not, does, does half not, of this make it through.
0: I'm not gonna touch. I have an idea, and I'll talk to you off off air. <laughs> um, oh man! But yeah, so uh, this is. MCH or Matthew Curry Holmes from the uh, couch
1: trip cinema podcast on the morbidly beautiful network. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me.